Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey folks, before we start the show, let's talk about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash show. Okay, usually I sit here and I list all the bonus content you're going to get for subscribing, but today, today I thought I'd tell you straight up that it's your monthly support, whether it's a dollar per month, $5 per month, $10 per month, or $15 per month, that's what keeps this show alive. Your support makes it possible for us to deliver four shows a week and to stay on top of all the latest politics news. It's all because so many folks have pitched in just a few dollars per month. And yes, you're also going to get exclusive bonus content like the postmortem show and the after party in exchange for your financial support. But mainly you, you help keep the lights on at the Bob Seska Show, and I'm eternally grateful grateful for that support. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Recorded live in the USA covering the whole wide world. Right on! This is the Bob Seska Show presented by bubblegenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, May 26, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, what's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 127 of the Biden-Harris administration, 530 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. My guest today, as one of the most recognizable voices in the world, the great Richard Hensel is here to talk about his life in acting, voiceovers, and more. You might know Richard from his appearances in Rocky Mountain Mike Bits for The Stephanie Miller Show, and he's been performing one-man shows and audiobooks as Mark Twain for decades now. But the role he's most known for is as one of the radio DJs in the Bill Murray, Harold Ramis movie Groundhog Day. Well, today we're going to talk about all of that, and we might even get Richard to reenact a scene or two for us. Fingers crossed. So don't nobody move. Follow Richard's work at richardhensel.com. Links in the description under this episode at bobseska.com. Meantime, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at patreon.com slash show. Okay, let's talk with the great Richard Hensel. Richard Hensel, how are you? Yeah. 
<laughs> so this is uh, this is going to be an hour when I'm feeling completely emasculated next to your voice. My God, get out of here! <laughs> yeah, you hot, sexy liberal. <laughs> You're one of them hot, sexy liberal. I don't make it into that group. I mean, I'm I'm happy to be. Uh, a distant second cousin uh, to the family, but uh, oh, I've never on. got a, I've never got a theme song. That's okay. That's okay. I don't mind a theme song. And Steph just can't wait to get me off the phone because she's always afraid. Oh my God! You do that, the bitch. Get him off the fucking phone. Shit. She doesn't like it. You got to teach me how to do that. I mean, I've been doing voices not as long as you, obviously, and and not as professionally as you, but the Donald Duck voice completely eludes me. I don't know how the hell you people yeah. do that thing. I mean, what, no. what's the secret? What's the secret of the Donald Duck voice, it's, Richard? Technically, it's it's pretty simple. It's it's a matter of creating a reed with the back of your tongue against your soft palate. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, and you create that read, and then you have to learn to uh, enunciate without disrupting it. It's like a ventriloquist has to learn to enunciate without moving his lips. Well, you kind of have to do it without moving the rest of your mouth. So if you can keep the tone. And you keep that going. You know, it's probably a good uh, thing that I don't know how to do that voice no, because it's, it's I would never useful. I would never stop doing it though. Don't don't I've tell never, me it's not no, useful. No, I would do it no, all day, it every is, day. No. I'd be calling my mom in that oh. voice, the whole thing. Yeah. And people will tell you to stop that. <laughs> That's <laughs> one there's one particular uh, monitor of uh, auditions. There's a union monitor of auditions who, mm. who uh, we have equity monitor auditions in Chicago and they'll go down there and, and she's a lovely lady, but you know, you have to keep quiet in the outer room. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed to talk loud. You just think like, we don't talk loud. And when you sign in at the desk, she's there. And I was going, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I, I told you, don't do that. And, uh, so, you know, but there's a few people and Stephanie's another one. I suspect as people, I mean, you, you are, you are, you're okay with it. I can tell that Bob, you are okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that you can't necessarily, uh, you can't hear my piano anymore. Can you? Um, no, can you? sadly, no, no, but we got some no. great uh, piano music there at the top. So that's good. Well, I like to sing this anyway. I'm going to okay. give myself the notes anyhow. Yeah. Right. God, I Man. grew up, yeah, with a combination of Donald Duck and Liberace, and and you know they used to put pieces of uh, Broadway shows mm-hmm. on those variety shows. Yeah, yeah, like the Fantastics. 
Right. And uh, stop the world. I want to get off. I, oh, God. Anthony Newley, I remember as a little kid. Oh, my God. And I would, I lived in the country out in the fields and I would wander across the fields singing, Who can I turn to when nobody needs me? And expecting along the dusty path down the gravel road across the field, a big Cadillac would stop. Uh-huh. And this guy would get out in a suit and tie and he'd say, hang on there, son. Because of, you know, little rascals, you know, Club <laughs> Spanky. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was going to get discovered. And and all I knew was to just just start singing real loud. <laughs> There's a bright, bright golden haze on the meadow. And I would sing that out in the meadow, you know. Yeah. There were no people. Incredible. But that was one influence. Yeah. That was the TV. But but I had my parents and my father and my mother would take us to see my maternal grandfather. Mm-hmm. And he would say, shut off that TV when we would turn on and there would be Sammy Davis Jr. I won't have that N-word in my house. Hmm. Interesting. And we would hear a lecture all the way home from my parents. Mm-hmm about the n-word and racism in general even though we lived in an all-white township there but still my father was would talk about it and i we never really understood why he was obsessed with it except that at one point i remember uh he had a black laborer he had known for many years mr mormon levi mormon Mm -hmm. and he decided to make him a bricklayer and put take him on as an apprentice and all the other bricklayers walked off the job and left him standing there. And I still remember that. But it wasn't until after he turned 90. My, my mother died in her 80s. My dad lived past 90. But after he turned 90, he would tell me over and over the story of, he would say, he would start off by saying, there was a room in my house. He had seven sisters. He was the oldest. Yeah. And he lived in a house in, in Warren, Ohio. And he said, and there was a special room that we couldn't go into there because that's where dad played cards mm-hmm. and the men drank beer. And then one day a black man came to my dad's work site and said he wanted to be a laborer. He had four kids and he couldn't feed them. It was in the 20s. And he said, would you please give me a job? And my, grand, my paternal grandfather, I never met him, gave him a job. And the next day... Uh, the police came and broke into his house and destroyed the basement and broke all of his bottles and, and ended his concession there. Wow. And, and he went off to jail, leaving behind eight kids and a wife. Jesus. With no way to live, make a living in the 20s. What part of the world was this? Warren, Ohio. Warren, there were 400,000 wow. yeah. members of the KKK in Ohio mm-hmm. during those years. Yeah. The KKK lived on our street. He said yeah. they lived all around us. Jesus. People always associate that with the South, but it's really something that was all over the country. I mean, in Pennsylvania, yeah. even when I was living in Pennsylvania uh, 15, 20 years ago, it was exactly the same. There were KKK rallies in like uh, Doylestown and th- yes. places like that. Yeah. I remember just and seeing you, them distinctly uh, on the street corner uh, rallying. Per- the parades of the the women of the KKK is just mm-hmm. an entire parade of all women, yeah. all wives and mothers, you know, and and I think that we have to understand that that's that's a powerful thing that we can't let uh, come back. Oh yeah, sure, sure. It seems like in a lot of ways it is. I mean, that was a lot of people storming the Capitol for a very specific reason. 
So your dad, your folks seem pretty liberal, huh? I mean, they yeah, were yeah. ahead of their time my, in some ways, my right? Dad's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you were raised with those values, obviously, values that you still carry today. Yeah. But I wanted to be in showbiz always. Mm -hmm. But when uh, I got to be in high school in Ohio in the the late 50s and early 60s, uh, and the whole Vietnam thing started happening. uh, And then I saw Hal Holbrook, and I realized that I could combine my parents' passion or what I felt their passion for politics mm-hmm. with performing. And uh, and I was in a pretty conservative part of the country there in north, northeast, northwestern Ohio. Sure. And at my college, I started performing for like fraternities and dormitories and churches and high schools and doing anti-war and anti-racism material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but in disguise, you know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and, and with the authority of this great writing. And so it was a tremendous thing, you know, to be one of the sexiest men that ever lived <laughs> at 71 <laughs> and you're only like 18 years old. And, right. So uh, is that, is that, you're talking about Twain, you would dress up like Mark Twain, is yes. that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. And, and, and I, I kept doing that's, I started, I mean, I just, I don't know why I was just obsessed with, it. I, mm-hmm. pract- I flunked right out of college. You know, I was spending all of my time in the Mark Twain section of the library <laughs> studying qualitative and analysis for yeah. my chemistry class. And, uh, and I did get hired by a theme park and, mm. uh, at Cedar point. Oh and yeah, had, that's a famous one. Yeah, it's a big time. I had this dream, you know. I was going, "Oh my God!" All summer long, I'm going to be proselytizing. <laughs> I'm going to proselytize like crazy, you know. <laughs> so I put all this. I had this huge stack of materials, and I was so excited. And I, and they, and I drove up there, and I, I checked in, and we started rehearsals. And I, they never asked me what I was going to say. They just kept rehearsing. Mm-hmm. There was some musical number, and there was a banjo player, and a. Uh, this and that, the tap dancer and this stuff, you know, okay, well, when are we going to, two o'clock in the morning before our opening at 10, they said, okay, what do you got? And I said, well, uh, I've got this and that. And he said, no, 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 just do what you did at the audition. Yeah. And that was, I was just doing jokes because hmm. all I was, I was just auditioning. I just wanted the job. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I used jokes. I used Hal Holbrook's jokes from <laughs> his first 15 minutes. Yeah. And he was, was he was doing Twain at that time, too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. what inspired me. I saw him when I was in high school. I saw him on television. You yeah. Know? And my high school teacher said, he wasn't the first one. You won't be the last one. You must get to work on <laughs> Yeah. My, Jim Thornton, he was just wonderful in my, my high school. We remained friends until he died just recently. But he, he, he says, you got to do that. So uh, anyway... I thought that's what I was going to do. But then at, at like two o'clock in the morning, they said, no, you just do exactly what you did at the audition. And I did that all summer long. And every night, every day, eight show, I did 40 shows a week. Wow. Eight shows a day. And then on the sixth day, you do 10. Then you get $55 for a week. And I I saw Hal Holbrook out there 50 times that summer. <laughs> really? 
Really? So he would stop by, see her? No, no, her. but I would see him. I would swear I could see him. Oh, I see. Gotcha. So you're hallucinating. Was it the heat? <laughs> we have. We did become friends eventually, yeah. which was wow. great. That's incredible. He was a wonderful guy. I had some. I have some great memories of spending some time with Al. God, he seems like uh, someone who had so much depth to him. And he was one of the roles so, that I always remember him in was one of his last roles, which was Into the Wild, where he played Into just this breakout yes. character in the middle of that yes. movie, just out of nowhere appearing in this kid's life. And then you just fall in love with him. And that, but that was how yeah. Holbrook, right? I mean, that's kind that of was him. Yeah. That was him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we, a bunch of us walked up to the spot in the woods above the house in Elmira where Mark Twain spent his summers with his uh, wife's family. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there's a clearing where there used to be the uh, octagonal study that Mark Twain wrote in. They moved the study down to the campus of the university, but yeah. there's still a clearing. And we walked up there after dark late at night and we all lit cigars mm-hmm. and stood around and, and he just told, told stories in the pitch darkness and <laughs> it was just unreal <laughs> would you define yourself as a mark twain scholar i mean i think that applies yeah, to you absolutely i know too many of them yeah i know so many i have been attending these uh, conferences i've delivered a few papers at conferences mm-hmm. but mostly i've just gone to marvel at the dedication and the perseverance of these people who have uh, and i've met so many wonderful people uh, a woman who is sure that she's mark twain's granddaughter and and other writers and authors but and in fact i have to have to credit uh, r kent rasmussen who is a very prolific writer about mark twain and his mm-hmm. history who contacted me after another kevin boychinski another mark twain scholar in boston sent him a videotape of my special i did for wttw here in chicago called mark twain's carnival of crime which was mm-hmm. uh um, it was a story Mark Twain wrote, and I kind of staged it in a setting like he's in his office telling the camera the story. And he uh, included it in his Mark Twain for Dummies book, uh, Kent did, uh, on adaptations that worked, and contacted me and says, I'm talking about your your thing. And I said, well, how did you ever see it? He says, well, this guy in Boston sent me a v- VHS. And... Uh, so he said, you know, you should do audiobooks. Hmm. And then like a few days later, 9-11 happened. And I happened to be in a studio uh, just goofing around. And I thought, well, I might as well just stay here. Yeah, yeah. And there's not going to be any commercials made. There's not going to be anything happening uh, for a while. And I thought, I'll just record my show. My I've got about 11 hours of things that I've used in my live stage show since Mm -hmm. 67 and i'll just record those well i got through those very quickly and then i said well now i'll do a book and that's how i started doing audiobooks i mean do you slip in and out of twain just randomly or does it take a while to kind of exercise (laughs) twain out of your head i mean once you're in it is it is it difficult to pull yourself out Oh, it's interesting because I, 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 I'd never had a problem separating myself, and I, and I feel like, especially lately, that I, I need to, I want to, because uh, I, I hope I'm more enlightened. Because uh, I, as time has passed, since the first time I ever put on the white suit, I realize that I was missing a lot of the things that were shortcomings, mm-hmm. and they have become more and more glaring. Like, like what? Like what? What are some of the shortcomings? 
Well, he can't help himself but to get jokey sometimes mm -hmm. uh, about about black people, you know. Yeah. And 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 the N word is, you know, it became, you know, it used to be it was never a problem for however many years it's been, uh, yeah. 67, 68, however many years it's been, it was never a problem until like five years ago. Mm -hmm. I remember in 1969, um, I used to do this. I would just wander into an open mic and say, you know, they'd be doing folk songs and stuff, you know. <laughs> How about a Mark Twain story? Oh, okay, go on. And I was uh, <laughs> I was performing Huck Finn in Sandusky, Ohio, yeah. in this little bar, uh, and uh, I get to the part where I'm playing, I'm acting, I'm just acting, I'm playing Pap, you know, in Huckleberry Finn, who's mm -hmm. a horse, horrible racist. And I'm delivering these lines at full volume, and I hear some noise on the sidewalk outside in front of the bar, and I see two big black guys coming through the door. And I see the door guy kind of talking to them, and they're all right. And then afterwards, they came over and they said, oh, that was wonderful. That was great. Hmm. But only uh, a year and a half ago, I recited some of my Mark Twain literature, and I was reciting word for word what was in the book. Yeah, yeah. And yet uh, a, a group of people that heard it were like, you should never, ever read that out loud again. Hmm. And I flashed back to my mother in Florida when I first played for her my my first audiobook, Puddinghead Wilson, and it's... And it's got one of those big flaws in the second chapter where Mark Twain describes a conversation between two black people, a white black woman and a black oh, guy. I can only imagine. And they're, they're sassing each other, you know. And it's the kind of thing, if you saw it in an Eddie Murphy movie, you would go, that's, that's, that's real life. Hmm. But for this group to hear a white man repeat those words, was just too hurtful, and yeah, said well, yeah. you can. And I did try it once up in Canada, and it played pretty well. But I don't know that I will because what happens is the audience stops following your story altogether. <laughs> yeah, it completely makes it about they're, a different thing, right? Yeah. They're already now they're thinking, oh, this person that's playing this guy, he's, you know, he's pushing over the line now. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Yeah, yeah, and and so if you're confronted with that word as your Twain, I mean, do you yeah. have too much reverence to be able to substitute that word, or do you just avoid those passages? How do you work your way around some of the language that he would use, especially in some of his classic stories? Uh, maybe I'm just lazy or cautious, but I have tried to just try to not get too far into those yeah, things yeah, you know yeah. the story the stories have all been heard mm -hmm. uh, there's so many wonderful stories that nobody knows anything about yeah carnival of crime is one i mean i just i just love that story nobody knows anything about it hmm. uh same with the audiobooks and i keep getting more and more into more obscure small audiobooks yeah yeah and uh there's just uh, there's a lot there's a lot to get from it you know there's i never stop learning and uh, and and the the literature, especially about the the, the people who have written about him, uh, has is so immense. You can just 
It's a lot of stuff. Would you categorize Twain as being an enlightened man, or was he just intellectually curious? I mean, because he seems, obviously, his persona is as, you know, extremely homespun and folksy. That's kind of the uh, the takeaway that you get of his character. But I always got the impression that he was kind of advanced in terms of his thinking, and, uh, you know, as far as the universe, as far as humanity, and so on. Am I completely off on that, or is that kind of... Uh, Kind of your read, too. As a boy, I had no aversion to slavery. I was not aware that there was anything wrong about it. No one in my hearing ever spoke out against it. The local papers didn't write against it. The pulpit taught us that God approved it, that it was a holy thing, that man needed only look into the Bible to see what he wanted. Hmm. There was one incident of my boyhood, however, who, which touched upon this matter. It must have made a great impression on me. I would not remember it clear and vivid, sharp and detailed in all, after all these years. Now, we had a little slave boy there in Hannibal by the name of Sandy. He was from the eastern shore of Maryland, and he'd been brought away from his family and friends. And he was a cheery spirit, innocent and gentle, but the loudest creature that ever existed, perhaps. All day long he was singing, yelling, laughing, whistling, whooping. It was irritating, unendurable. Finally, I ran to my mother and I said, Sandy has been singing for a solid hour, and I can't stand it. Would she please make him stop? A tear came into her eyes, and her lip trembled, and she said something like this. Poor thing. He will never see his mother again. If he can sing, I must not stop him but be thankful for it. If you were older, you would understand. Then that friendless child's noise would make you glad. You just answered my question as to whether or not you can slip into and out of Mark Twain as a character. <laughs> just like asking you a question, bam, right into it. I reconnected with my one of my college roommates recently after 50 years, and he said, you know... You know what we used to say about you when you weren't around? When is he going to shut the fuck up about Mark Twain? <laughs> okay, we'll get back to our conversation with Richard Hensel here in just one second. But first, this word from Stephanie Miller. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
People say puffiness and under eye bags are the hardest things to get rid of. Till now, introducing Genucel plant stem cell therapy from Chamonix, specifically targeting eye puffiness and bags. Genucel is incredibly powerful. Natural serum. They guarantee you'll see results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. Listeners see a dramatic improvement in just two weeks. A true Chamonix classic. Genucel contains eight extra ingredients to significantly reduce the appearance of bags and puffiness. Plus, Genucel uses patented plant stem cell technology to improve longevity with brilliant long-term results. Save big right now on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie, promo code Stephanie at checkout for an extra 10% off. That is lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. You'll also get the amazing Zotique Deep Correcting Serum free when you order the most popular package today. Chamonix, the best skincare, best results are your money back. lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That is lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That code is Stephanie. The Bob Seska Show. The other thing I've been meaning to ask you since we first connected here today is when did this voice happen? When did you get these pipes? Did you immediately go through <laughs> puberty and you went from sounding like a little boy into sounding like this voice that we're hearing today? Was that the switch or did you? I mean, because it does. Sometimes with you know voice work, you kind of train your voice to be a certain way over the years and and sometimes habits like smoking. I mean, I smoked for 20 years, which people ask yeah. me, well, how is your voice like this? And I said, well, probably because I smoked for too long. Um, beat the crap out of it. Yeah, yeah. You beat the crap out of it. Exactly. Is that what you did? Or did you? was this like it was out of the box? I, I've been I've been performing uh, since I was 15. I've been yeah. doing mostly live theater. I've done over 100 plays. And, and that's always full volume, you know. So you get a lot of work out. Um, and the other, you know, I told you about walking through fields and singing. Well, I haven't done that since this morning, which, <laughs> except now it's on my e-bike. Yeah, yeah. My, my fat tire, 20 inch fat tire e-bike through the woods. Uh-huh. Uh, and if people hear me, that's their problem. Yeah. Um, and I just, that's what I do. I, I put on, and now, now I have the advantage of a full soundtrack because I put on, you know, I put on Beatles or America or, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash and, and just wail, you mm. know. I, I mean, and that was in the first, uh, Boleslavsky's book, The First Six Lessons, acting the first six lessons, one of them is practice and one of singing. And he says, you got to sing whether you're good at it or not. You just keep mm. singing all the time. So I, I've always followed that. I didn't read that until I was in college. But yeah. even as a kid, that's what I used to do. Well, you talk I about thought, I wanted to be Liberace mainly. That was the main thing. <laughs> that's incredible. I thought, well, because the way he, the effect he had on women, yeah. when Liberace came on our little TV and all the moms and aunts and neighbor ladies would say, oh, my God, oh, my God, and they would all run in there to see him. <laughs> and I thought it's because he's so hot. <laughs> so That's hot right, yeah. Lady. Look at the ladies come running. Yeah, I remember my grandmother seeing Liberace. Uh, when is he going to take himself a wife? You know, guy. <laughs> Do you not realize, Grandma? Uh, do you not see? Can you not tell? Uh, shit. Yeah, yeah. George. Well, you know, you talked about how you first took a big step into audiobooks, but you were doing a ton of performing. I mean, apart from Mark Twain, right? I mean, you were, you've were you been in films, you've been in television, just all kinds of... 
amazing characters along the way. I mean, a lot of people know you as Twain, of course, or Groundhog Day, which we're going to talk about here in a second, uh, or most recently from Rocky Mountain Mike's bits on the Stephanie Miller show. Um, But some people don't know that you've been in many things that they would recognize. You've been in Unsolved Mysteries a couple of times. You were in the uh, TV version of The Untouchables. You played FDR, another historic figure that you uh, embodied. You were in the Blues Brothers. I mean, let's talk about the Blues Brothers. You remember my famous line from the Blues Brothers. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how you connected with uh, Harold Ramis? Well, I no, I had met Harold. Well, I met him at, at the audition, and I think I met him at Second City, but that was always kind of a, a hectic uh, crowd. You know, you don't know if you're really meeting anybody. But mm-hmm. um, I got the call when they were about wrapped. I mean, they think they were wrapped, and I had given up on getting anything. And there were so many parts, it seemed like somebody ought to get something, you know. <laughs> and and so so had my buddy Rob Riley, who, who had directed me, and I directed him, and he'd cast me and things and we acted together and we knew each other from second city but also from his uh, uh friends of the zoo show and anyway we both went to the studio down there and we're like oh boy i guess we got cut out of this movie in fact <laughs> a, a very famous disc jockey and his partner were offered those parts before we were offered them and they were like <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, you're, uh, talk, you're talking about Groundhog Day, or you're talking about yeah, yeah, talking yeah. About Groundhog Day, so right, right. So somebody had turned down the parts as being too insignificant already, mm. as far as I could understand. I don't know. I've heard versions, but so Rob and I show up and we go in and we spend about twenty minutes doing this. And even as we're walking out the door, we're going, "Oh man, no, who's going to remember us? <laughs> no one's going to remember us. <laughs> yeah, we, we could have had a good part in this movie." and worn makeup and had a trailer and stuff. No. So anyway, that was a surprise. I We sat next to each other in the theater at, at Second City when we saw the film for the first time, and that's when we found out that we actually were involved in the story. <laughs> yeah, in, this, in a big way. I mean, you've well, got you, one of you the know, big you know, speaking parts. And I have been on the TV. In fact, you mentioned uh, FDR. I had a, a one wonderful long speech in front of a live audience and a big crowd and the banners and everything. Yeah. And it was ended up being almost entirely on the radio. And uh, Al Capone talked over it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't expecting that. But, yeah, I'm still in touch with Rob. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, it's, it's wonderful. And I've been out to Woodstock, you know, where they shot it. Uh, all but a few of the years since the film was finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it first started, there were so few people that I was actually still a celebrity and actually the master of ceremonies for the first couple of seasons. And then we started getting Harold Ramis to come out and Steve Tobolowski and most of the minor characters have been out there. And uh, so we have a ceremony, you know, a real groundhog and the whole thing. And it's been very cold most of the time. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, we get a thousand people show up. Oh, that's incredible. Hey, Just you know- stand there at 630 in the morning in the cold and watch <laughs> us put groundhog. And, <laughs> and I love getting up there and doing the bit. Um, I early on convinced them to let me do both voices. And, and I also l- learned in the last couple to get the audience to help out. So I get one side going... Now you over here, 
I got you, babe. I got you, babe. And I get them singing that, you know, and then I get them to repeating and repeat and fade, right? Yeah. I got you, babe. Okay, campers, rise and shine. Don't forget your booties because it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly. And you can expect hazardous travel later today with that blizzard thing, blizzard thing, blizzard thing. Oh, right here, the National Weather Service is calling for a big blizzard thing. But another reason people are especially excited, especially cold, especially cold. Okay, but the big question on everyone's lips, their chap lips, their chap lips, their chap lips. You think Phil's going to come out and see his Shadow Punxsutawney Phil. That's right, woodchuck chuckers. It's Groundhog Day. Get out and check that hog out there. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. You know, the craziest thing, Richard, the first time I knew that it was you doing those voices is when Mike Hardiman told me that it was you doing those voices. Because for all of this time, I could have sworn the DJs in that movie were Harold Ramis and Brian Doyle Murray. If you if you listen closely to you, uh, you and Rob in the movie, it sounds like it could be Brian Doyle Murray and Harold Ramis as those oh, two guys. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. I never thought of that. It's almost like an auditory illusion to me because I know it's you, but every time I hear it, in fact, before we talk today, I went to YouTube yeah. and watched the scene again, the very first yeah. uh, appearance of the DJs. And I'm like, yeah, that still sounds like Brian and Harold. This is the craziest <laughs> thing. I think I'm being duped here. I think I'm being punked by you guys. That's in, that's incredible. And and so yeah, so you ended up throughout that entire movie. And so that must have been a huge surprise. Did that yeah? Did that yeah. open up any uh, additional doors for you? It was sort of a, no. a once and done kind of thing. No, no, no. It kept me from being arrested a couple. Of times. <laughs> is that true? Is that really true? Oh yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, twice was during the Bush years. I did a lot of protesting yeah. and, uh, and, and, you know, they would try to corral everybody into a little pen uh-huh. and, and I, I would just refuse to go in there and I, and I would tell them, I, I'd say, you know, uh, I don't know. They're burning flags in there. Yeah. And uh, those are pretty rugged. Those are awful people. I'm not going in there. I'm not with them. I'm, I'm, I would wear rollerblades and carry poles, you know, rollerblades and a helmet. And I, I would wear a big sign. It said, Bush, truth this way, no, Bush this way, truth that way, mm-hmm. arrows, you know. And so it was kind of obscure enough that I could convince policemen that, you know, that I didn't have to get it. But if they gave me a lot of trouble, I'd say, well, wait a minute, didn't you work on that movie detail recently? Oh, yeah. Why? Because I'm an actor. I think I work with you. Oh, yeah. What, what, what actor? Whatever you have been in. And that's usually the first question. What have you ever been in? Like, oh, rise and shine, campers. And, oh, my God, you guys get over here. You know? <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. Uh, has it bought you any drinks at the bar? Is that uh, is that no. another perk? You haven't just no. gone up to the bar and say, "Hey, I'm that the DJ no. from Ground." No. <laughs> yeah, they're they're hip to that. Right, that right. happens to them every night, probably. No, another time, I, I you know it's right after the uh, cell phones. You can't talk on your cell phone while you're driving, and I'm talking mm. on my cell phone. I was a producer calling, and he was got a job, so I had to take it. Yeah, and I said, "Oh, I gotta hang up and call you back." This policeman by. On comes the lights. It was like the day after they passed that law. Mm-hmm. And I also happened to have, you know, some anti-Bush stickers on my bumper, which it turned out had something to do with my stop because he came up and he says, I don't care much for your bumper stickers. <laughs> Great. I said, you don't. He said, no. 
And he said, what are you, an activist? And I said, I'm an actor. <laughs> Almost as bad, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what have you ever been in? The next thing I hear is, come here. You got to meet this guy. Come hear him do this. Come hear him do this. He does the thing. Come, get up here. And he brings this older guy up to the car. Mm. And he says, do it, do it. Okay, campers, rise it. He says, let's get the fuck out of here. What are we doing? <laughs> so how did you end up playing Ronald Reagan on oh, the yeah. Phil Donna Donahue show? How did oh, that yeah. how did that happen? Oh, fantastic publicist. I'll tell you that, man. She was great. <laughs> um <laughs> No, uh, I, I started working with Stuart Gordon, an organic theater. He direct, he wrote uh, Reanimator, and he's a, a great horror film, just passed recently. Yeah. And uh, he says to me, he says, you know, he had seen me do uh, a Ronald Re I started off doing uh, the Reagan-Jackson debates at the Cross Currents uh, nightclub in Chicago mm. with my friend Aaron Freeman, who did a great Jesse Jackson, and we would do a live improvised debate after a play that I was in, you know, like half a mile down the road. <laughs> yeah. So I would be changing into makeup as Reagan in the dressing room. And Stuart says, what, what are you, what are you doing? I says, I'm going to go be Reagan down the street. So he came and saw it. So he wrote a show, uh, for Aaron and I, and we did that show at the organic called three card Monty. Mm -hmm. And as part of the promotion to help sell tickets for this Chicago play with a, you know, 300 seat theater, uh, he got us, our, our publicist, she got us on Donahue as guests. And uh, we spent the whole hour out there. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a blast. It was great fun. Yeah. yeah. What's it like, uh, you know, working in voiceovers and, and acting when you're in Ohio? I mean, one of the things that I rapidly discovered about L.A. and trying to get your foot in the door, doing voiceovers and doing voice, voice characterizations for uh, cartoons and so on, is that it's a constant process of auditioning. Even the top-level guys, like I'm sure you're aware of Jim Ward and Carlos Alasraki, sure. and those guys are, I mean, even at the status they're at right now, which is they've been in everything, they still have to go out and do all of these auditions, and the competition is immensely fierce. How do you more end up so, more than ever, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you how do you keep your foot in that door with uh, so much competition and so much uh, geographical distance between you and you know the microphone they're expecting you to step in front of? Well, that's not true. <laughs> it's right here. Yeah, it's well, right here, sure. Well, now I mean, now you can now do that. It is. Yeah, and that was like a year ago or so. My agent says you better get this. Uh, you better get hooked up. Right. to make your home studio work on the internet because we're going to be doing And I, I, I set it up then, and uh, I, I have to say, uh, people ask me, well, can you help me figure out how to, to start getting some voiceover stuff? And I have to say, I've, I've kind of retired from trying to find work. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, when I first started doing this and I got a lottery commercial, somebody says, whoa, you do a lottery commercial, you buy lottery tickets? I said, well... Mm -hmm. My resumes are my lottery tickets. Yeah. Uh, I'm much better odds with my resumes than I would with a lottery ticket. And when I do get something, uh, it's always a winner. Mm -hmm. And hopefully one day I'll get a big winner. So that was 19, let's say, 70, 
four. Okay, let's zip ahead till last year when I got a lottery ticket that finally started working. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm, I should talk about the character that I do, but it's somebody that everybody knows. Uh, and I only reason is the company was bought by an, a company from Italy, and I don't know how they feel, but when it belonged to the American company, they said, please don't ever talk about this in public. Really? So, <laughs> I never signed anything. But is, the there, is there is, like something about the magic that they're trying to hide? Is that it? They're or trying is it... to hide something magical about it. Okay. So <laughs> so I had I had them adopt me, keep me from a free previous account when this company went to Italy, but I've never met anyone. I've never met my boss. I've never met anybody that I've worked with. The closest we've come is, is over the internet, like you and wow. I right now. And that, that was like one meeting last July. <laughs> is yeah, I see my the, the wheels are turning in my head. I'm trying to figure out who this mysterious character is. Uh, and so I've got like <laughs> 20 questions for you. Is it is it an animated character? Of course. Yes. <laughs> is it an animated Very character? Animated. Oh boy. <laughs> I can jump around. <laughs> Does this character wear pants? <laughs> it's not Mickey Mouse. Okay. Not, well, <laughs> Donald, I was going back Donald to Duck, Donald Duck has no pants. Right. That's... But a stylish jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. He's a very short stylish right. jacket. <laughs> He's a, a sailor who is also a duck. So, yeah. <laughs> Who's also pantsless. <laughs> So is it Donald Duck? I mean, that's it is not. No. Oh, okay. No, but anyway, yeah. But so, so I'm happy. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I, yeah. I, it's really crazy to have a year where we're in like a pandemic and you can't go anywhere, and then mm-hmm. you finally get a good job. But uh, yeah, it's you know, it, it's it's clicking along, and there's they're running the spots, and you know, whew. Uh, but uh, but but it's been wonderful. We've raised two lovely sons. Uh, yeah, they're both really smart and and funny. Yeah. Uh, one's here living in Chicago with us, and the other one lives in Philly. And my wife and I have been together 52 years. Incredible. That uh, uh, certainly defies the odds. What's your wife's name? Jenny. Jenny. Yeah, she's great. What's she's the secret? What's person. Tell me, Richard, what is the secret? As, as someone who's been divorced twice, uh, what is the secret to 52 years of marriage? Well... Forgiveness on the wife's part, mostly. <laughs> right, I would say that is also a good uh, good qualification. A very forgiving and understanding woman is mm-hmm. what you need in a couple yeah. of people. Are your uh, are, do your kids perform? Are they uh, do no, they have the acting no. bug my, or what are they? My answer? older son is uh, doing computer programming and programming, and my younger son uh, teaches art uh, to uh, special needs adults in Philadelphia. Oh, that's so great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long has he lived in Philadelphia? A couple years now. Oh, wow. He loves it. Yeah. yeah he yeah. loves it out there. Is he watching? He's close to New York. He likes to go into New York a lot. Well, everyone's getting a big dose of uh, the Philadelphia area right now with uh, Mayor of Easttown, which, by the way, I always want to say Mayor of, Mayor of Winningham. is. Probably, <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I do. I picked it up from my girlfriend. So, um, Can you tell me why that is spelled that way? 
Mayor of Easttown. Well, there's an Easttown township in Delaware County. Okay. And I think that's what, or no, it's in Chester County, which is outside of Philadelphia. And I think that's that's where it comes from. So she would be the, uh, the Kate Winslet character is a yeah. detective in that township. And I think that's yeah. why it's called what it's called. But I always want to go to Mayor of Winningham because of Mayor Winningham. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with but me. I'm still confused why... What does it mean? I always thought at first I thought they just misspelled mayor. Oh no, the the woman's name, Kate Winslet's character's name, her first name is Mayor. I think it's short oh, for Marianne. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. She was the star of the team. So this mysterious character <laughs> going back to that, that's not the Keebler elf, is it? Is it? <laughs> Did I get it? I think I got it. I think I nailed it. See, you didn't say a word. You didn't have to say a word. Okay. <laughs> I have a good friend who is the uh, the uh, Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> really? And has and has been for uh, forty years, I think. Yeah, Joe B. Cerny, he's wonderful. Oh, that's and incredible. He, he was even on like uh, I think Letterman. I think he was on Letterman as a guest, and couldn't talk about it. He couldn't talk about it. That's no, incredible. No. Yeah, I guess. No, it, and he actually looks like uh, the Doughboy. But I mean, for <laughs> Nabisco, that's like their Mickey Mouse. Uh, yeah. And so I'm sure they don't want it besmirched yeah. in any way or the magic stolen because, you know, if suddenly you say, well, Keebler Elf is uh, Richard Hensel. He's this actor who also plays Mark Twain. And the kids are going to yeah. go, I don't understand why. <laughs> No, I, I worry more about it. He's this liberal. Ah, there it is. He's yeah. this liberal. Yeah. We got to call them and tell them to get rid of him or we'll never eat another cookie. <laughs> Incredible. I was kind of amazed when I landed on, because I was aware, you know what? I was aware of this, and I'm not sure. Maybe it was Mike who told me at some point uh, over the past year, or maybe it was the photograph you sent me. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was I was curious about that. And uh, I wasn't aware that that was the same one that you were trying to keep a secret. So, so <laughs> if, you, if you want me to chop it out of the show, I can chop it out of the show. It's for all you. over now. <laughs> okay, I didn't. When I, when I first moved here to Chicago, I had a good friend who was a voice of Miller Beer. Until one day in a bar, somebody said, "What are you drinking?" And he said, "I'm drinking Heineken." And he said, "You wouldn't drink Miller." He says, "I wouldn't drink that piss." <laughs> he never drank. He never did another spot. Beyond Mark Twain. What was your absolute? <laughs> I love those cookies. <laughs> yes, big fan, big fan of the Nabisco <laughs> cookies. Yeah, and you know what? There's no high fructose corn syrup in my cookies. There you go. Yeah, there was an ethical clause in your contract. Is that like, yeah? The only way I'm going to do this voice if there's no high fructose corn syrup in these cookies. I actually told an agent when I first moved to Chicago in the '70s, I will not do lottery commercials. Yeah. And I, I didn't for like 10 years. I Good for you. Confused. Yeah. I said, you know, it's just a tax on the poor and I hate to be selling this lie. Exactly right. The shifts, the burden of the social safety net onto poor people away from rich people. And that's not how yeah. it should be. Yeah. Until things got really slow. And I think maybe I overcame that. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe for one or two of them. <laughs> be, beyond Mark Twain, what is your favorite character to inhabit? Like what's the, if there was a character that you could play, 
that you wouldn't mind being stuck in that character. You, know, you hear oh, about yeah. actors who are method actors and they get yeah. stuck, they get trapped. Like George C. Scott, trapped in the Patton <laughs> character for years, <laughs> couldn't break out of it. Is there a character that you wouldn't mind being trapped inside of? Well, just because he gives you the best material would be Mark Twain, you know. Well, of course, yeah. The yeah. license to use those words, you know, a mm -hmm. writer. Yeah, yeah, incredible. So yeah. I've been meaning to ask you, too, Tell me about connecting with Rocky Mountain Mike. I mean, obviously, there's a huge yeah. overlap between my listeners and Stephanie Miller's listeners. In fact, yeah. most of my listeners are people who heard of me on Stephanie Miller's show and came over right. and started listening to me. So it's right. it's really just Stephanie Miller's listeners. Uh, but one of my favorite bits that he's ever done happens to be one with your voiceover on it, which is The Idiots. And uh, <laughs> I, I may throw that one in at the beginning or end of this discussion. Oh, please. Uh, yes, please discussion. Do. Yeah, it's one I of my favorites. I had some queued up here but i can't make them play now yeah anyway, yeah so. well tell me about connecting with rocky mountain well, mike uh, you know I, I i had some shows in uh, florida i did some theater in florida in the early uh, during the bush years and uh, and that's when i became uh interested in uh randy rhodes and mm -hmm. you know the all of the air america thing and and when I when it kind of fizzled out, I was like, oh no! And then hearing Stephanie for the first time was, oh, this is it! This is here we go, here we go. And we're back in, in back in business. And I guess I was I went to the first Chicago show, and, uh, and then the next time it came around, by then I was pretty heavily into the chat room, and I said, you know, anybody coming to Chicago for the show and. <laughs> We had 25 people get together at the uh, Star of Siam, right down the street from the theater. Mm -hmm. And I sat down right across from Mike and I recognized his name and when he introduced himself. And I gave him my card and I says, come on, man, I want to do voices for you. And so that's how it started. Wow. And uh, and since then, you know, he, he we get together every time he comes into town or when he comes through to go to Madison, we drive up to Madison and... Uh, He's heard too much of my life story. No. <laughs> Man, that guy is uh, so incredibly prolific. and uh, I feel so lucky. Yeah. I really do. I feel so. Because, you know, as I started out, you know, I, I just always wanted to try to find some way to combine entertaining with uh, with good po good political points. Mm -hmm. I, I, I started a group that stood over the Eisenhower. We were out there for 10 years uh, from the beginning of the Bush years and almost two years into the Obama years, mm -hmm. stop the wars in the Middle East, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And all I ever wanted to do was have a really good, funny sign that could make somebody laugh and smile. And when, when I met Mike, I said, well, now I can do this and I don't have to stand outside in the snow. <laughs> and I can get this message to a lot more people. And, you know, he puts graphics, you know, one of the first things was the United Air, United Citizens, United Airlines. And, uh, and I was like, this guy's great. What is sure. next for you now that the pandemic appears to be winding down? What do you got uh, on the agenda, well, whether it's personally I'm, or professionally? I'm writing a couple of things. Uh, I just finished recording uh, Man That Corrupted Hadleyburg, mm -hmm. and I'm writing an introduction. That's a Mark Twain story. Yeah. And I'm writing an introduction to that. And I'm also working on an autobiography, uh, these various things, uh, so many stories. Thank goodness for, you know, uh, Facebook, whatever, uh, people, you know, from my life, mm -hmm. all the way back, you know, all the way from grade school. 
uh, and it just brings back memories. And I think I got to put this stuff down. <laughs> so I generally I'm like responding to the person directly mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yeah. But then I copy and paste it and throw it in my folder, you know, well, for my autobiography. Just incredible. The great Richard Hensel, star of wow. stage, screen, and Stephanie Miller show comedy bits, of course. Links in the description to stalk Richard on social media and richardhensel.com to pick up his audiobooks. My friend, you are the easiest interview in the history of yeah. easy interviews. Uh, all I got to do is say hi, and then the next hour is a piece <laughs> of cake. Thanks so much. I was scared I was going to suck so bad. <laughs> not, not on your life. Not Nobody's that was just absolutely what. Thank you so much for being on today, my friend. My pleasure. And best Great of luck to, to you. To. I'll talk Thanks. to you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's a different world. Feeling alone, and sometimes feeling helpless. But for over two hundred and forty years, we've been there with you. We're the idiots. And we'll continue to do what we've always done. Ignore science. Ignore facts. Ignore the welfare of the majority. And do the f- whatever we want to, whenever the f- we want to. Now, more than ever in these challenging times, we'll be there. And finding ways to stay close. Irresponsibly close criminally close, hugging, and spreading our message, along with a contagion. We're the idiots, and we're here for you. Well, mostly for ourselves. And we'll stay here, whether you like it or not. <laughs>